guys, the sport of boxing is near and dear to my heart. I love the sport. I love everything about it. You know, the, the art that it is, the physical nature of the sport. I love the discipline that's required to compete at a high level and consistently go forward. And the life lessons that it teaches you are just incredible. Today, we bring on a former professional boxer on the other side of the pond, on the other side of the world, to join us for the Game Time Guru podcast and share his journey with you, talking about some of the intricacies of the sport, from going from the amateur level to the professional level, and stuff that you may not understand if you're just a casual fan. So he's going to educate us all today on the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome back out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here for another interview this week that you're going to love. It's an awesome story that we're um, going to show here today on the show, get to know our guest, uh, a little bit about his story, his journey. And it's got a, a big tie to my heart because it's a sport that I competed in for quite some time, and I still have a huge love for this sport. And before we get into that, I got to give a massive shout out to my sponsor, 208 Printing. Make sure to go to 208 Printing to get all your stuff done. If you need your hats, your shirts, whatever done by 208 Printing, go to madeby208.com and 208 Printing can get you taken care of. Now, without further ado, I got to introduce my guest, man. This guy has so much experience in, the, in the, the sport of boxing from the amateur level to the professional level to the coaching level now that he's taken his, his journey elsewhere to the, to the coaching side of things. I'm going to introduce Lloyd Ellett onto the show. Lloyd, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me on, Shane. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm super excited, man. So this is where, these are the types of stories that my guests love, or sorry, my, my listeners love from my guests, I should say. Uh, yeah, yeah. The stories of, you know, the, the whole journey, right? And, and it's, a, it's a special story for me because I, I was a boxer, and I love, I'm not, not at your level, but I was a boxer, and I've just been a huge fan of boxing my whole entire life. And I yeah. see what you post and what you publish on your social media feeds, and I've been following you now for a couple of months, and I just absolutely love it. I want to talk about, we're going to go way back in time. When yeah. was the first time you stepped into a boxing gym, and what actually got you excited into the sport of boxing? Was this like a family thing that was passed down, like this passion of boxing? Or where um, did you come into that? In, in that a way. Business? inadvertently like my my dad was a did box as a kid um they had it at schools back then as well so um he so he was a he was a boxer but he didn't continue it um properly seriously after school but i knew that he was so maybe that planted the seed inside me but i just liked um i like watching as a kid i watched rocky I remember waking up. I remember watching really late at night, uh, Chris Eubank and Nigel Ben, and that was like a a really late one. And I was like, yeah, that, I was pumped for that. That's probably that my earliest memory of watching a fight. That is so cool. So like when I go back in time, man, I I I remember I was 15 years old, so I was a little bit older than like the the the, like the typical boxer getting into the game. And I remember going into the Golden Gloves facility here in Idaho. Uh, my mom actually had to 
go in there with me because she had actually signed a waiver because I wasn't 18 yet to let me box. And I remember going in there and it was this old rinky dink gym and the smell of it, you know, to the, to the general public is disgusting. But to me, I was like, man, you could, you could smell the sweat. It was old. Like, I mean, it smelled like old newspapers because they had newspaper clippings from the seventies and eighties up on the wall still. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like I got this feeling of like <laughs> excitement. I remember seeing these little kids that were like seven and eight years old, uh, these little Hispanic kids that were in the ring, just hitting the mitts like crazy hard. And I'm like, Oh man, like this is uh it might be a rinky dink gym, but this is a cool place to be. That's when I knew it was like official. What was yeah. your first experience in a, in a, in a boxing gym? Was it, uh, was it like that? Or do you remember coming into the gym for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty similar. It was, I remember going, um, I remember we would just spend the whole session, like every, as you know, like most, most, uh, real boxing gyms, like competitive boxing gyms, have a trainer who's like an old guy who, yeah. <laughs> who who's who's not who if you're real close to him and you've like proved yourself to him is lovely is nice but to to anyone else he can be a little bit a uh, little bit prickly hard to get along with and um when i first went in i remember um my old old trainer um his name was dave brown and he'd been in the gym years he he, uh, I think I told him that I'd done kickboxing before. I was only young. I'd only been a few times. I was like 13. And he said, and he was like, he was just like straight away, nah, nah, it's not the same. Like, it's not going to work. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but, and it was just a gym packed, absolutely packed, a real sweat box. And yeah, we just did like partner drills for like over an hour. And uh, yeah, it was my first taste <laughs> man it, it's dude it's just it brings me back to those days man i uh here's a here's a memory i had too and i wanted to kind of get your take on this so typically speaking when when my mom was in the gym with me the, the first day she came in there to sign the waiver and said okay i'll let him box whatever coaches were like yeah we won't put him in the ring for at least a month to two months we got to make sure he's ready yeah mom wasn't there during my first practice because they actually ended up putting me in the in the ring my second day ever fighting um to kind of like break me i think they were just saying that to get mom out of the gym like okay yeah he's good to go he's safe in our hands and all of a sudden it's like i remember him saying all right shane suit up i was like what do you mean suit up i had to put my headgear on that was already sweaty because i was using the one that was at the gym it was like the the it was like the community headgear oh so I'm like, yeah it's sweaty that was gross. The worst. they just <laughs> slip on your head yeah imagine then, that now that's never gonna happen again with all this corona stuff oh absolutely not it's a different time we're living in man and and i remember them telling me to put my belt on like the the cup and everything and what people don't know is like it's one of the most inconvenient things to wear because i had to put it over my shorts so here i am yeah. like my shorts are riding up i was probably the most uncomfortable i've ever been then I, they asked me to get into the ring with a guy that was six years older than me and uh he was in his 20s i was only 15 years old and i remember just getting rocked man and just going in there and having a good time it was my second day in there how fast did they throw you into the ring lloyd i um it wasn't too bad actually it wasn't my second time i I had where I'd done kickboxing for a, a bit. I'd done a bit of sparring and stuff. Like I'd been hit, so I was, I wasn't. Um, you know, like that first time you get hit is. Um, but I I had been hit, so I think I went in. Yeah, probably my second week. I'm trying to remember who. Yeah, I do remember it. I remember going when we when I started going. My dad said to me, "Look, this is all good, but." 
if you start coming home with nosebleeds and everything, like this is you're not gonna you're not gonna carry on. <laughs> and I, I remember after the training once, just like in the tap, this horrible old like sink that was kind of a shower. Um, <laughs> Washing my, trying to clean my nose out, like should, just little bits of blood, like appearing constantly. <laughs> oh man, that's funny because they literally, for me, I had broken my nose in a fight when I was in seventh grade. So I mean, we're talking years before, but when I had surgery on my nose, the problem with my nose is anytime I even just flick it, it'll bleed. Like that, even to this day. And when I was in boxing, um, they had a whole set of the coach later on had his son who was our corner man and would help us out, like help his dad out in the, as, as a coach. And he would be over there with a full thing of paper towels just for Shane, just for me. Like it was always Shane's paper towels because <laughs> my nose would be bleeding everywhere. And you know, what's so gross though. Like, honestly, as I think back on those days, like this is why I love that gym, but it is absolutely disgusting when you think about it. Like we'd have no nosebleeds, like not just me, but other people, you know, you just get your nose popped a little bit. It's, it's going on. There's sweat dripping all over the canvas of the, of the ring. And then at the end of practice, we would get down, like we do our, like a team uh, cardio session in the ring. So we're doing pushups and sit-ups on that same exact ring that there was yeah. blood and, and stuff all over, man. That's, That's just the boxing ring. world, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, Here's the question. Now you got into the competitive side of, and you had quite a few amateur bouts, right? And yeah, this is where I want to get your, your, your story here. You know, you, you started to compete as an amateur. Talk to us about the amateur boxing game and what that was like for you. Let's talk about your journey as an amateur. Yeah. The amateurs was, um, the amateurs was, was fun. Like I had, I had two, I had two amateur fights. I won them both. And then my third fight, like the amateurs is quite strange, especially in the early days, because people on uh, like kids can be kids can be, like a sixty kilo kid can be so much different to another sixty kilo kid. Well, like you know, like this kid, two kids the same weight can be so different. And right. I remember I'd won my first two, and I was in the ring waiting for my opponent to come out, and uh, I didn't even think about my weight back then, and. I was waiting for my opponent and this guy, this guy, well, this man walked to the ring and like hit another 15 year old kid who had tattoos. I had tattoos. I didn't, I didn't even have a muscle on my body and he had like definition in his arms and he got in the ring and I was like, you know, I'd won my first two. So I was just like, I'll be okay. You know? And uh, yeah, I got, I got beaten bad. I got stopped in the in the second round. Just from my head going back. At, I remember being at school the next day, just like the worst whiplash, the worst neck ache ever. But um, but after that, after that, we um, I started training a bit harder, a bit more seriously, uh, like moving my head, like. I'd always I was dedicated before, but now I had someone telling me, showing me what to what I needed to do. And but then I actually lost. I got disqualified in my next fight. We both got disqualified for, uh, by quite like a an annoying ref uh, referee. <laughs> what, what happened there? It was just like a real mix of styles, and there was quite a lot of holding and. Uh, the ref was getting between us, pushing us back. He was only like fourteen, but um, he, uh, but yeah, he, um, yeah, and then he he disqualified us both with like thirty seconds left of the um, of the fight. Oh wow! <laughs> but 
So following that, I then lost six fights in a row. So I was like nine fights, two wins. And, um, you know, I was, I was losing these fights by like tiniest amount or I was just, or I thought I'd won. There wasn't much in it, but I'd lost two out of nine. So I was a bit down on myself uh, with that. And then I would, I would, I'd started to train harder, like a lot harder. Like I was running a lot. My fitness was getting better. And, um, and then I, I had an injury. I had a problem with my, uh, my back, like a, like a growing pain kind of sciatica. But I was out for about six months. And I remember I'd just worked on, I was stretching every night. I was like really working hard. And then when I could start running, I was running every day. And I went back to the gym, like we'd stayed in contact, but I went back to the gym and I was real sharp. And I remember the, I sparred and like looked real good, was good the next session. And then my trainer was like, oh, I've got, got a bout for you next Saturday. And it was like, you know, it's just like the thing you don't want to hear. Like, you know, whenever I would hear my, the phone ring in my house after like eight o'clock and I thinking I was scared it would be my coach. And then, like, my mum would pick up the phone and be like, Lloyd, it's... I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and the only reason I took the fight was because it was away. It was at, it was in Jersey with the Channel Islands, which is like a 30-minute flight from uh, the UK, from England. And um, I went there. I won the fight. Um, and then I come back. And then uh, I was matched. He had me about for the following Saturday. And I was like, yeah, like I won. Um, yeah, well, let's do it. And I won that. And then this was like towards the end of this boxing season. And I was training real hard. I'd won two fights in two weeks. And so now I was like pumped. My confidence was back. And uh, then I boxed again the, the third week in a row. I lost. Um, close fight. And then he had me another one uh four weeks in a row i fought after just being in back in the gym like two weeks and and i won that as well and um so i won three out of four and it was like i was back and in that summer i trained hard and um and i got i remember the point where i turned my record over into more wins and losses that was a very satisfying uh moment I, and i won quite a lot in a row that season i'm, I'm so interested by that because to the general public, you know, the amateur game, like you just said, you're like fighting back to back to back weeks. I mean, and it's not yeah. like these are easy, easy fights. People think that just because you have the list of amateur uh, as a name, that it's an yeah, easy fight. Yeah. It's actually pretty taxing on the body. In fact, I would argue at times it can be more taxing depending on your opponent, because in the amateur game, correct me if I'm wrong for where you're at, Lloyd, but we had a lot more punching in the amateur game because it depends on how it's being scored. Sometimes it's like a point system. So it, it really depends. I'm not sure how you guys were fighting over there, but like yeah. you got to throw a lot of punches. So your body's taking a, a beating. What was it like fighting the amateurs? Was it, was it a lot of punches? Were you doing point scoring or I mean, and how many rounds were you guys typically going? Was it three, four rounds at, at two minutes each or what was it like? Yeah, it, um, it changed. It's amateur boxing scoring system has changed a lot. When I was at university, I, I did sports science and I actually did my dissertation on the point scoring in amateur boxing. Um, and it was how they changed the system based on the Roy Jones Olympic final. Um, ah, yeah. So Korea, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 
but when we were so when they changed it to point scoring then so when it started off with uh point scoring for me um but yeah there was loads we were throwing loads of punches all the time in the amateurs all the time um and it, yeah it's hard it's harder it was harder than the pros in that you're fighting quality when you get to a certain level you're well actually at all levels you're fighting an an even um even opposition you're either fighting someone better than you or the same level you're never really fighting someone um regularly who's who's worse than you the pro game is completely different um it's very tax yeah the amateurs is taxing on your body i remember having i had my tonsils out at around christmas time when i was about 18 and i i had about i then boxed like six weeks later Oh my. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous. We drove like six hours to another part of the, uh, the UK. I I fought someone who the guy wasn't very, wasn't that good. I looked at him at the weigh and I was like, he was like skinny, you know, he didn't look anything. I was like, I'm going to smash him. <laughs> and, I, and I lost. I lost. I boxed terrible, terrible. And, um, but the next day, on the way back from the fight, um, <laughs> I, um, my coach, he didn't drop me off at my house. We got back at like two in the morning and he didn't drop me home. He dropped me at the bottom of the hill um, and, told, and said I had to walk back up. I was like, are you joking? Are you, are you for real? <laughs> I had my tonsils out. I'm like, I feel, I feel like shit. I've got to walk up here. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. I, I, I was... The following five days later, I was matched to fight um, a, a guy from the army who we'd watched win a, a national title a couple of months before. And I was a bit, I was quite nervous about fighting this guy. And um, I didn't speak to, I barely spoke to my trainer before it. We trained, but I wasn't happy with him because he was telling me if I lost, that'd be three losses in a row. I'm out of the gym. I'm gone. And I was like, hey, I mean, it wasn't, I, doubt, I don't think he would have stuck to it, but, but he really got to me. And uh, we didn't even speak on the way to the fight. And um, I did not stop throwing punches for three rounds. It was four twos at the time, the, uh, the distance. Okay. And I did not, for three, for three rounds, I think I was like, I think I was about 15 points up on, after three rounds in the last round i died i won it by like two points <laughs> oh man <laughs> but yeah it's like things like that you're taxing on your body the amateurs are tough that is so see just hearing those stories i was never to that level man but it's like not only taxing on the body but obviously you got your your tip with the trainer you're, you got the issues from a mentality standpoint you're younger so you're obviously got a little bit of pride there too you're irritated with that it's a it's a lifestyle it's crazy now I want to ask you a question here as, as a, you know, as a boxer, people always used to say that I was crazy. Cause I actually liked, I liked getting hit. It was a weird feeling. Like every time, like we take like a two month off for the summer and then we'd come back to the gym um, and they, our gym would reopen up and we'd start coming back. I actually loved the first time getting popped in the face pretty good. I just liked the feeling and it sounds crazy, but I remember there's a, there's a movie called the green street hooligans. And uh, the guy says on there, he goes, one street. Yeah. yeah green street <laughs> hooligans. And, and, there's a quote by the guy in there and he says, you know, once you're, you realize you're not made of glass, 
like then your confidence basically builds up his whole I, that's not exactly the quote but he talks about like once you get punched and you realize you're not made of glass yeah. like oh i can take a hit talk to me about that did you ever like enjoy getting hit or did you prefer not to get that whiplash like you did in your your early early days <laughs> um i i don't think i ever no i don't i don't think i ever liked it but but i i know what you mean you realize you're not made of glass because i actually sparred I sparred about a year ago. I've been retired for like two and a half years. So I hadn't sparred for over a year. And I sparred out here in Spain. And um, the guy tried to take my head off. He was a pro here. And um, I, when I got hit the first first time, even just a, wasn't a hard shot or anything or flush, but I felt it. And I was like, oh, I'm not used to that. But then after that, the punches after that, it was like it was nothing. It was is I just readjusted, and it was like oh, it's, this is what it's like again. Like that's, you get used to it. You yeah. get used. To it. That's cool, man. It's actually cool that you got to spar with somebody too. Even at like you got the love for the game still. You got a love for the sport. Now yeah yeah. When yeah. Uh, how many amateur fights did you end up with? Because I remember you saying it on social media. But how many amateur fights did you end up with that over the course of those years that you were fighting as an amateur? I had 70 amateur fights. 70 amateur yeah, yeah. fights? Okay, yeah. I want people to hear that. That's a lot of fights, right? Like, that's a lot of a lot of wear and tear on the body, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Goodness gracious. So, and in times where you, like, in tournaments, you can, I've fought twice in one day quite a few times, or three times, uh, like, three, uh, three times in three days. So, yeah, that racks up the numbers. Man, that's – for anybody who doesn't fully understand what a, a boxing match is like, and, like, it's, dude, it doesn't matter if you're in the amateurs or pros. Actually, in the amateurs, I felt like you were more taxed. At the end of a bout, like, you're tired. I remember at the end of my last fight that I had, I took a beating. So, like, when you're getting punched back pretty good and you're not just dealing – like, get, giving the punches, you're actually getting them too. Um, I was – I remember we had three two-minute rounds in that fight. And I walked over at the end. I knew I had lost. And I walked over to my, my corner when the, the final bell rung. And I leaned over the ropes. And I literally, like, thought I was going to pass out. Like, my eyes were, like, I could feel my heartbeat through my eyes because my, my chest was just on fire. My legs were gone because the guy clipped me a few good times in the chin. And I'm like, that was – and to think of doing that another day, like, the next day getting back at it, I was like, there's no way. So, just so people understand, that, that's, that's a lot of wear and tear. Now, Lloyd, yeah. when did you decide you wanted to turn pro? Because – here in Idaho in the United States, it wasn't very common for professionals. Usually like the pros started because they ran out of amateur time. Like there was an age limit of like 35 or something. I can't remember at the time, but we had a couple of people from our gym that turned pro because that's all they could do. But when did you make that decision that you're like, Hey, I want to go to the professional level. I think that's what I was in it for. Um, really like that's when you, it sounds like I'll be a pro, you know, that's like, that's like the way you want to get to. Um, so even though, even though once you've been in boxing, you realize that that's being a high level amateur, it feels like a, a multiple Olympic champion or, or you, uh, a regular for your country in tournaments around the world. You're probably a lot higher level than most pros. But I, um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to be in it for the pros. I, I love watching the pros. And um, I think I decided to actually turn pro probably about two years before I did. Um, I was, I was at, I was at university. So that, um, yeah, that, that's delayed me a bit. 
in hindsight, I think I should have, I think I should have turned pro earlier. I was 20, I think I was 24 when I had my first one. Okay. Did you, um, when you got into the pros, had your first fight, what was it like? Was the training a lot different leading up to that? I mean, you know, you're no longer wearing headgear. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how your amateur was, but we always had to wear a top as well and, and headgear and all that stuff. I'm not sure. Like, and then is the training, like, obviously you're gonna have longer rounds. What was the training like leading up to that? I, I guess, what was the differences in your first bout as a pro compared to your amateur career? We just, it, it's strange because when you're an amateur, you do like three rounds and you're dead. Yeah. You're like, you're exhausted. And that was the same for, it's the same for even like Olympians, the top, top, top guys. But when all of a sudden, when you start training as a pro, you just work longer. You just go for longer. And gradually, all of a sudden, you can do, you're doing six rounds. And it's like, it's not a problem. You're like, why was I dead after three? Like, but it's, it is more, it is a slower pace. It is a slower pace, too. It is now, a slower pace. Did you have any like professionals? You mentioned Roy Jones and like the whole like point system and stuff earlier. Roy Jones was actually my absolute favorite boxer when I was younger, like of that generation. Like I was a little kid when when he was in his prime in the the nineties. I was because I was born in eighty eight, so I was like ten, eleven years old when he was kind of like hitting his his prime days. Um, yeah. But was there a boxer that you looked up to specifically at, at, when you were younger? Yeah, loads, loads. I was I was like a real. Not so much now that I'm retired, but and I literally don't watch any. I don't. I don't watch any TV or anything. So I. I don't. Um, I'm a little bit more removed from things. But before I was like a boxing freak. I loved. I loved so many Jones. I had. Um, I bought all of. Uh, I'm this. I'm only. I'm a year older than you. I'm 87. Oh, so okay. I bought. Or I bought uh, Jones. Um, like his fight career on on videotape VHS off eBay when I was like twelve years old. James Tony. I went through a phase. I just kept buying uh, boxing videos, and then it moved to DVDs off eBay. I had May all Mayweather's fights, Pernell Whitaker, uh, Jones, Tony. I probably could have just gone on YouTube and watched them, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I just. There were so many that I liked. Oh, that's so cool. Like, it, it, it's awesome to see that you, like, had those that, that kind of shaped you. Talk to us a little bit about your name real quick before we continue on with your career. Who were you named after, man? I, I want to hear this story. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so Lloyd, uh, lo there was a, an English fighter back in um, the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, called Lloyd Hunnigan. And he was from, he was originally from Jamaica. And he went out to fight uh, Donald Curry, who was, do you remember Donald Curry? I do he, now. <laughs> yeah, he was like the Mayweather back in the day, um, in the late 80s. And he'd signed a, a $10 million contract to fight, or I can't, to, I think it was to fight Hagler. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was to fight Hagler. And uh, he was a welterweight at the time, but he was going to step up and fight Hagler. And... And Lloyd Hunnigan um, went out to fight him. It was like his last fight before he moved up. And they laughed at him at a press conference and, and everything. And um, and Hunnigan, like, shocked the world, um, like, ripped him to pieces, like, busted him up, stopped him in, like, 
I think it was four rounds, something like that. And um, that was that was the year before I was born. And uh, my so my dad loved boxing, and he yeah, and he called me uh, so he called me Lloyd. That's so awesome, man! It's a cool story, dude. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Now. I'm thinking about you mentioned you don't, you don't watch a lot of TV right now. You're not too much in the know of, of things, but I'm sure you've heard of Tyson Fury, obviously. I mean, that's a big name around, especially in, in the UK and whatnot. What are your thoughts on Tyson Fury? He's actually, I'll just be, I'll preface this with this. Um, as someone who is, has dealt with mental, mental health problems and such and, and anxiety, I actually really like Tyson Fury for that reason because he's actually opened up about his battles with depression and anxiety. I read his book. I, I follow his work. And I actually, I respect him as a fighter for being a six foot nine giant who, kind of boxes rather than just destroys yeah. fools um i, I actually respect like it, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool style for a six nine guy what's your thoughts yeah. on fury from what you have seen of him if at all yeah I'm, i've watched fury loads loads i've been i've been at a few a few of his fights as well um yeah he's awesome i actually saw fury um in the flesh when he was like 17 um they were saying he was fighting on a an amateur show that one of my club mates was fighting on and uh yeah he um and he was everyone was talking about this kid i mean he, i think he'd only had about five fights but they were talking about him being good and yeah i think he's i think he's awesome i think he's awesome he can yeah. move he can he can box like he can and he can come forward and he walk for, to have he's got such a a big heart and and balls to walk like to walk into Deontay Wilder who like puts people to sleep and just walk through him with no respect for his power and just take him apart is incredible really yeah that's the one thing I loved about Fury's game is that he was just he, the first fight with with Wilder he had been off for a while and he still did his thing he beat him uh he did I don't care what anyone says he beat him and you know he got caught a few times but the second fight, dude, just to walk through him, like walk right into him, and you show that he's yeah. not just a boxer. He's got some power behind his punches, too. I mean, he's six foot nine. The, I mean, the dude's a, a, a giant, and he's got some weight behind yeah. him, too. It's not – everyone makes fun of him. A lot of friends of mine, they're like, man, he's got, like, these flabby arms and stuff. I'm like, listen, dude, he's got some power behind those yeah. punches, all yeah. right? There's some muscle there. He just, I mean, he's just a heavier set guy, but he leaned out. He's got some power, and it was awesome. I just yeah. love his style, man. I, Granted, he As talks. He talks a lot. He's not a bodybuilder. He's not a bodybuilder. He's, he's a, a boxer, yeah. I, and that's the thing is he doesn't. He doesn't try to be a bodybuilder. He comes in yeah. there and just goes to town in the sport that he's he's a part of. That's what I love about it. Now, let's get into your, your professional career. I saw you you post something the other day about a cut on your eye, and this is one of those things I just yeah. love following you on social media. Again, guys, I'm going to put uh, Lloyd's social media tags here in the in the description so you guys can go follow him as well. But I love your, your social media stuff because it like takes me back. I'm like, these are the things I love about like the stories I like about boxing, like this stuff. You talked about a cut on your eye and how impactful that is for professional fighters. Talk to us about that experience for you. And then we'll kind of talk about how that can impact a fighter. Well, I, the, the fight before I was, I was 17 and oh, and I actually lost the fight before I lost. So I lost my unbeaten record. Um, and I wanted to erase that memory ASAP, like as soon as possible, and it was a southpaw, and I'd been winning the fight, and I actually got stopped. Um, I didn't really, we didn't prepare for a southpaw, and uh, at all, I didn't have any southpaw sparring, and I got caught with a southpaw left uppercut. I just slipped straight into it, and uh, got dropped, got up, and got, and the ref stopped the fight. But so I had a, a fight six weeks later, 
against a guy I'd actually stopped um, two years before. And, but he was a southpaw as well. So it was a little bit, um, the, I mean, the mind games going into a fight after you hadn't lost for, you know, for, since I was an amateur, a southpaw again. Uh, yeah, it's a real, and, and I actually dropped down in weight. I dropped from uh, light middle to, to welter. And there was a lot going on. It was only six weeks as well. But and I, I didn't box great, but I you know, I, I I was I'd won the fight. I'd beat I beat the guy up. I think I dropped him a couple of times as well. But he uh in the last round I just remember having him on the edge. I remember him being on the ropes and it was just like it looked like I was gonna stop him or he might survive. And then just out of nowhere there was like a like a, everyone said the noise in the in the place was like horrendous, but I just remember it looked like to me it looked like my eye was hanging off, and it, suddenly he's gone from being down and out. He's chasing me around the ring um, for the last twenty seconds, and I, I just got on my toes, got through the end, and um, yeah, I had twelve stitches over my eye, and and yeah, that meant I was. That had meant basically I wasn't going to be able to fight on um, the next show in my hometown, where which would be a a good money earner for me. Um, I was hopefully going to have a, a bigger fight on that one as well. So and financially, that meant like that was like a bit of a killer. Right. But in the end, what I actually did, I ended up, I actually ended up fighting on that show, but just against a a very lesser opponent and I didn't even spar I just the cut miraculously it healed very quick I mean it was horrendous but it healed very quick I think I sparred about two rounds and I and I've uh yeah I boxed this guy he weren't great but um it was like a tick over fight but yeah, I, that was purely to get paid really because if I'd if I'd got cut if that had opened up again that would have been that would have been really bad. I would have been out for a long time. Man, see, that's it gives me anxiety thinking about that because what yeah, people yeah, don't I'm realize really, – yeah. well, I, I can imagine, man. Like, <laughs> it, what people don't realize is like – and we don't have to talk exact numbers, but at the professional level, not everyone's getting paid like the Tyson Furies, Deontay Wallers. Not everyone's getting paid 30 million bucks a fight, right? And the majority aren't getting paid uh, a lot at all. Like, it's, it's enough to cover some it's bills like at times. The 1% the 1% are earning that money. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, I mean, the media portrays like everything that they, they, they light it up like these big time yeah. athletes, these big time fighters. It's with any sport for that matter, any celebrity for that matter. But the majority of professional fighters are not making anywhere near that. In fact, a lot of them are doing it for the love of the sport. They pay their bills and they're able to get by sometimes. Uh, but when you have a cut like that, I've heard many stories where somebody gets injured, whether it's an accidental headbutt or it's like they just got caught at the wrong time, like out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they're out for a couple of a couple of months because they're waiting for stuff to heal up, or they yeah. get their jaw broken on a on a punch they didn't see coming out of nowhere in the last round, and they're like crap, I, and now they got to heal up so they can't fight on the next card. So all of a sudden the bills start piling up. They're not getting paid. If you don't fight, you don't get paid, right? Like so, yeah. so. Yeah. What are your what's your advice to fighters like that that have to go through something like that? I mean, like when they go through a, a situation like that where they weren't expecting it, what's your what's your advice for them? It's uh, I think I think you need to since since then I feel like I'm a lot more um a lot more of a 
like positive thinking. I wasn't really, I wasn't really into that. I my mind hadn't been opened up to that stuff around that time. You know how like just positive thinking would get you through um, rather than thinking negative. Because I was, I was annoyed. I was annoyed with my manager, my team, who I was meant to have certain fights, and they instead, you know, we took lesser fights for less money and yet bigger risk for and less reward and it was just like bad decisions and I was I was annoyed with different things but yeah you need to uh yeah you need to stay positive very positive uh let things go a bit <laughs> um and yeah just just keep just keep going with the end goal um in in your mind the reason why you're doing it don't forget that i dig that man i dig it a lot now lloyd when you were uh fighting as a pro how many pro fights did you have before you know we'll get to the final piece of that but how many pro fights did you end up with throughout your career 23 and that the fight with the cut was 18 19 or was the 19th fight or the 18th that fight? was that was uh 19 yeah, because you yeah, said 17 and 0 and lost the 18th, and then you came back in the 19th one. That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was about a little more than midway through your your final your final bout. Now you mentioned your final piece of your career, but you mentioned you know fighting so frequently throughout your amateur career, weekend after weekend at times, and sometimes a couple days and a couple times in the same day. What was it like in the pros as far as like fight? How many times a year did you fight? Well, my first my first three years, um, I sold a lot of tickets as as a pro. In my hometown, I I would I sold out the uh, the um, the shows there and topped the bill and and I would take a lot of fans to a lot of my supporters to London as well. So it was I actually fought regular. That's a big factor in it. If you don't sell tickets, you don't fight. If you've not got a t well, even if you have a TV deal, you still have to sell tickets. You know, like even Mayweather, like he sells tons of tickets. So he's, I mean, he's obviously good as well, but you know, all for all the way through, it's still about ticket sales. If you're a boring world champion, you're probably, you're probably not going to fight as regular as, as, uh, as like a knockout artist it's, or cause you're not selling out as many um, places, but, but yeah, I, so I actually fought, I think 17 times in my first, uh, no, 16 times in my first three years. So I, that's quite a lot for a pro, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was, um, I think it worked out about every six, seven weeks. Wow, Maybe. that is that is a lot for, for a pro. Like, I'm just doing the math in my head. I'm like, that's a lot. Because sometimes, like, I would say, like, roughly three to five max a, a year is what, like, the pros are getting. Like, eh, yeah. about that's typically they'll give themselves, sometimes the pros like to give themselves eight to 12 weeks per camp. And then fight yeah. they give themselves a little bit of time off like a month off and they do another eight to 12 week camp depending i mean obviously every situation is different but that is a lot to to get started um that's funny you mentioned you're yeah. selling tickets uh back then and, and and all that because like your entrepreneur side of things like that's kind of like as a boxer you are kind of like an entrepreneur you might have some deals that you get paid for for the fights but you got to sell the tickets have yeah. you always had that like salesman mentality the entrepreneurial mindset <laughs> uh I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about it with the the tickets and stuff, and and getting sponsors. You know, it's down to you. If you're a um, 
elite amateur, you you get these things taken care of. You don't have to sell tickets. You don't have to, you get um, nutritionists. You get all this stuff. But as a pro, you have to source it all yourself. You either pay for it or you have sponsors and people who work with you uh, because because they want to you know say that they work with you or add their name on your shorts or whatever. But yeah, it's it's it is tough. It is tough. And not fighting, not fighting regular is the worst. Like that's basic. That basically was a big contribution to me not fighting anymore. Um, my last, like I had 16 in, in three years, but then, uh, then what? Six. Yeah. Six fights in like probably three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it might have been three years. Three years or, or two and a half. That's so, tough, man. Is that so when when did you know it was time to hang him up? Uh I was I was very uh, I actually I think my I think my twenty uh my twentieth was it my twentieth? No, my twenty second fight was uh I fought for, I fought an English title eliminator um, against a good fighter called Ted Cheeseman. He's he's been British champion since. He was a, he's a good fighter, and it was the weight above. And I stepped in at, I think I think it was ten days notice, something like that. But I'd been training with my namesake Lloyd Hunnigan. He, he then come back and was I we later <laughs> we uh, we we were introduced to each other and he become my trainer he was crazy but there was that was actually he got me better than I'd ever been but I also saw things in him that he wasn't uh you could tell that he'd had a hard career yeah you know and he was an eccentric character he was a friend of, Mike Tyson was his friend and Mike Tyson said he was too crazy to hang out with him like, you didn't want to go out with him for that reason. You've got to be nuts to be at that level. <laughs> but um, I love him. I still I speak to him occasionally. But he, um, but I saw, yeah, I could see, you know, he'd repeat himself. He'd forget things. Uh, he had a, a long career. And me and a couple of the other guys in the camp were like, well, I, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want that to be me. And that, And there was a few guys... There's been there was a few cases of um, fighters who got injured. There was one a guy who it happened to him who I knew it happened to him in sparring, and that was playing on my mind a bit. That was that that's when the seed was planted around them when I was training for the uh, the Cheeseman fight. Definitely. That's that's always scary. Like just kind of, but it's a good realization of like okay, there the sport's awesome. You're not made of glass. You can take punches, but at the same time, take yeah. too many of them, and it's got a lifelong impact on you after that. And you ha you have a life after the sport, essentially. So yeah. it's good to you know don't think that you do when you when you're boxing. You're like, you know, the Canelo T-shirts. Boxing is life. Boxing is life. Like that's it. You don't didn't really see anything outside of. I didn't want to do anything outside of uh, outside of boxing at all. So you don't think of it, but then once you do, once you think about that stuff, that's that's really when you need to get out. 
that totally makes sense. It's because like if you're if you're half in, half out already, like and anything that you're doing, it's really hard to like, and especially in a dangerous sport like boxing, which it could potentially be dangerous if you yeah. allow it to be. You gotta you gotta be putting your focus all in on there. So I I totally feel you there, and I and I respect that. I think that's awesome that you came to that realization. And the cool thing is though, Lloyd, you're still sticking with the sport through the coaching side of things and helping people out um, with fitness and this and that. So let's talk about that and, and what you're doing online with, with your boxing skills. You've had this awesome amateur professional career it was what you said is a, you, you told me it was like a roller coaster. It was a journey, but you've learned yeah. a lot along the way and now you're kind of giving back. So talk to us about what you're doing there. So, yeah, so I, I was all the way through, I was doing, um, even as an amateur, I, I had like personal training, boxing clients and, uh, and yeah, and then I was doing that afterwards as well. And I had like, people loved it, you know, people love like, they want to be like a real feel like, like me now, I still like, I still, I still uh, hit the bags and everything, but, and I want to do real boxing training, just, I don't want to get hit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what people uh, feel like, you know, you feel empowered when you're, um, when you after training and when you've got them skills. So so yeah, it's nice to be at, and yeah, so I started going online with it. I had my clients in London and, and everything. When I moved out here to Spain, uh, they still wanted to keep going with um, with what I was doing. So I, um, and I saw people, I hadn't really used Instagram much when I was fighting, but I saw that uh, there was quite a few accounts that were doing these like boxing tutorials and things. And I just thought I could do them better. I've, I felt like um, I could do it better or I could at least do that. Um, so, yeah, so that's what gave me the motivation to get get on that, on this uh, path. I love it, man. I love the tutorials that you do. I love just kind of following what you're doing each day and just the different things. I mean, we're talking like from combinations and different types of workouts, and I'll be 100% real. I've I've got my bag in the garage. I've got a, a double-ended bag, and I've got my – it's not a heavy bag. It's it's sort of like one. It's not It's not the one that I want. Um, it's more for mixed martial arts, but it is a bag. It's good. And so I'll do uh, a couple of workouts that you've posted on there doing combo workouts. Yeah. Um, and it's been good. Like it's, it's gotten me, I'm not at my boxing weight anymore. I'm a tad heavier than I used to be, but it will get me down that way. <laughs> it's awesome. I love what you're doing. So where can we find the the stuff that you're doing online? Is there a certain website that we can find you on? Yeah. So I put, so I put together a, a boxing, um, boxing program it's real boxing skills so you can look and feel like a real boxer but um the my site is the program's called the boxers body and abs so the the website's www.theboxersbodyandabs.com sorry about that so let's say one more time it's, um, uh, the the boxersbodyandabs.com correct yeah that's it yeah that's it Got a phone call right in the middle of that, and I thought that was turned <laughs> off. So my apologies. Okay, so let's try that one more time because I'm going to edit that out at the end. So, Lloyd, where do we find your your boxing content um, for what you're doing online? And yeah, all on on Instagram. It's uh, at Lightning Lloyd. At Lightning, yeah, at Lightning Lloyd, and uh, yeah, you can find me on there. Perfect. Find me on there, boxing. I post pretty much. Well, yeah, every day. 
Awesome. So we'll make sure we post that here in the description. You guys can check out his website. You guys can check out his social media feed. Um, I'll make sure I'm pushing this out for you too. If you guys like boxing or you guys have kids that want to get into boxing, want to train, Lloyd's got the skills and he can do online training with you. So he's got all the, the tutorials for you, stuff to take into consideration. The guy's got experience and there's no better coach than somebody who knows what they're doing. There's something that I always got mad at Lloyd was in, in basketball is it's a little different than boxing, but in basketball, when I'd have a coach telling me how to shoot, and I'm like, dude, I lead the league in three-point percentage. I know how to shoot a basketball. But they're sitting there telling me how to shoot. And I'm like, have you ever stepped foot on a court? And then they weren't a shooter in high school. And they're trying to tell me what to do. They don't know what they're talking about. That's frustrating to me. But when somebody knows what they're talking about, that's when I'll take advice from them. You know what you're talking about. And I, that's why I take advice from you. And that's why everybody should be taking advice. If you're into boxing, take advice from Lloyd. He knows what he's doing. So, boxing, yeah, it's, a hard, it's hard to stomach when you see, when you see that. Yeah, 100%, right? I'm sure, especially someone who's been there, you're like, ah. So is there anything that uh, I didn't ask you today, Lloyd, that you'd, you'd like to share with us or anything like that? Uh, I, uh, I just, um, yeah, just to promote the, uh, the sport of boxing, use it for uh, not, not for fighting or competing, but it's a great tool for people to use just in everyday life, the, the mentality what it does for you physically is amazing. I'd, and for like your stress, stress relief as well. Any like boxing training, I find, um, I find it's the best thing for, you know, your mindset. Totally, man. I think it's yeah. awesome. I can attest to that, but obviously again, Lloyd has the experience and he knows. So once again, Lloyd, I appreciate you joining the game time guru podcast, sharing your story with us. And, uh, hopefully we can talk with you again soon. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Shane. Absolutely. For all the listeners out there, just want to make sure you guys tune in, subscribe to the podcast, leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts, and share this with your friends and family. And uh, you guys know the drill. We'll be talking to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.